Hi there. And now that you're here, we're all in the company of your cool aunts. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And this is the Your Cool Aunts podcast, where we follow the lives and times of cool aunts through Claire's diary. So, welcome back. And if you're new here, you can join the conversation in our Facebook group. And there's more on our website and Twitter and Instagram. So, follow us, like us, subscribe, recommend. Come on over. <laughs> Whatever you can do to help. <laughs> Hi okay. there. Let's get to it. What's up? Nothing much. Well, just we have waiting for a another diary entry. Note from Claire uh, that precedes her diary entry as per usual. And I am fascinated by this. I took a little peek ahead, which I will not reveal before it's time. Unfair. <laughs> Here we go. Claire tells us nieces, aunts, and friends. Have you noticed? that when an activity is mostly associated with women, it tends to be dismissed as merely a domestic craft? Hmm. Yes, Claire, I have noticed <laughs> these things. That it's not until the monetary value is recognized and then all of a sudden everyone has an interest in the supplies, inventing new accessories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, when it becomes a business concern, it becomes more worthwhile and suddenly everyone is calling it Artisanal. Oh, God. This is, is artisanal like, a, marketing, a marketing term? I think so. I think so, too. I think so. Yes, Claire, I hear you on this loud and clear. And I, I have some ideas about this, but I'm going to let Claire tell her story. And then I'll interrupt later. <laughs> <laughs> we both will. Claire goes on to say, my interest in knitting started when I watched my mother create beautiful sweaters from a bag of bald yarn. And they were usually from me. I think she could probably knit blindfolded because she could hold a conversation while jamming away knitting for hours on end. I tried a few times expecting it to be as easy for me. It wasn't, and I gave up quickly. Recently, my interest was piqued again by an article in the Times showing how closely related knitting is to math and coding. Who knew? Then she writes in parentheses, answer, my math teacher in high school knew this. <laughs> and she says, we'll talk again soon, Claire. Math, coding, and knitting. Yeah. There's, there's, I can see the connection. There's right? a lot of math and knitting. There really is. The simple stuff is simple. But as soon as you start making something that needs to take shape or, you know, increase and decreasing and it's all well, it kinds is construction, of isn't it? complex stitches and... I think we've had a conversation once in passing about seeing um, women on the subway bobbin throwers oh, doing yeah, the lace. Absolutely, yeah, the bobbin. And they'd be talking and just tossing these little. The, the bobbins were tiny. They were like I don't know, maybe an inch, a little Gosh, over an inch long. Yeah, you probably only see that now in Belgium. Maybe people still do that on well on the train. Yeah, probably. We should check into that. They were committed. I've I I saw them a few times, and this is. In my way back machine, my pre-embryonics. Yeah, but I, I think that's an interesting point. You know, uh, are those crafts still alive? Of course they are. They're alive in a lot of places, right? And I think people are going back to them now. You know, knitting well, men, has become a big deal now. Yeah. Well, first they figured out how to do it with machines. And the problem with machines is it's too perfect. And it looks it. It loses the quality of 
something that's very well done and by hand. I'm not just talking about, you know, there's a difference between handmade and, you know, like handcrafted versus, I think, going on a limb here. There's a difference between handcrafted and handmade. And I assume crafted is a higher standard, but I digress. But it's very special when somebody makes something for you as opposed to buying something for oh, you. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, another oh, one of God. those, you know, memory-building experiences, you know? Absolutely. So I think Claire's going to be talking to us about knitting today. Because the title is Knitting in Code. So she's already given us a bit of a hint, right? Yep. We'll see where this did. There, although Claire's titles don't usually, don't necessarily, I should say, Claire's titles don't necessarily tell you all of what she's about to discuss. So... In the first section, she's put a little subheader and she says, it's not what you think. There's much more to it. And Claire says, no, I'm not kidding. I really wanted to learn how to knit. I was interested in the craft itself and had seen several articles about engaging more of our mind as we age. And I thought this learning process would be perfect. The research consensus shows the best way to achieve this involves more than an occasional crossword puzzle. Instead, they seem to agree that the process of learning something challenging or new lights up unused areas of the brain for a mental exercise routine, aerobics for the mind, if you will. My knitting idea has been in the back of my mind for a while, coming and going without action, until I came across yet another article. And this one characterizes knitting as the physical expression and solution of a math problem. In other words, it's coding. <laughs> oh, no. So the challenge is whether we can cast aside ill-conceived notions about various forms of domestic crafting or hobbies as trivial, unworthy of serious attention, and to recognize the value of the art, the craft community, and the product. Interesting. I, I was thinking as I you... wouldn't say product. I'd say the result. Yeah. Because the result of, is your brain is better, your mind is better off for it, and you, you have a, a physical manifestation of the effort in whatever you've created, right? And it's, it's special because you can never replicate it, right? Like you said, it's not a perfect, it's not like a machine no, sweater where you right. can buy a hundred of them and they're exactly the same. This is very unique to that time. When I was a kid, I went on a tour of the United Nations with my grandmother, and they had a magnificent, I don't want to call it a rug. It was a, a a textile hanging and it was enormous. It was, I think it was hanging in an entry, a multi-level entry, a gallery type of area. And it had a deliberate flaw in it. It was Chinese because, and you know, and they pointed this out and the, the floor was, the flaw was emphasized because nothing is or can be perfect. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. You know, but it was perfect until they intentionally <laughs> put the flaw and pointed it out. But it was a whole. Well, that makes it unique thing. too, right? Because if it's yeah. perfect, it's not unique yeah. necessarily. Yeah. The other thing about this knitting is knitting always yields a challenge of some sort, figuring out how to do a different stitch or turn something, whatever, so many different steps involved. And out of that, you know, people reach out to one another. There's always a community. 
you know, there's always a knitting store and, you know, the place where you get, you know, the places. I mean, I know a lot of it's online now. But there still are stores. There's a strong community to these. Well, the stores also allow or enable people to get together, like creating knitting circles, for instance, or sewing circles. I think she gets into that in here. I'm not sure, but I would guess she does. But I understand what she's, what Claire is saying here, that in nobody is good when they start. When you start knitting, crocheting, any any handcraft or sewing, knitting, embroidery, all of those kinds of things that, you know, are very traditionally female-centric. I'm not saying men don't do it. I know two doctors who are really inter- into embroidery. Really? For dexterity practice. and There was a school, I think it's the Waldorf School, and they teach kids in first grade how to knit. Mm-hmm. And it's a dexterity issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also learn how to, uh, I think it's some kind of horn. They learn how to play early on. Oh, yeah. They have to play the um, the recorder. The, the recorder. little recorder. Right. Yeah. And the yeah. knitting. And I, 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 went, I attended one one day and it was just interesting to see little kids knitting. And everybody knits. Boys, girls, doesn't matter. Everybody yeah. knits. And they do it from first grade on. And it's I thought dexterity. it was cool, too, when I, I, I remember talking to someone who had kids in school and every kid took like a basic sewing class and a basic like carpentry, everybody. And they made like a canvas bag, canvas book bag, oh, you know, so it cool. wasn't they weren't making a dress or something they had to wear. Yeah. And so the girls did carpentry. The guys did sewing. They, you know, and they the classes were mixed. So they didn't, you know segregate by sex or anything but i love that i just you know we should go back to that my point was i understand and agree with claire that these things are minimized not minimized they're i don't know they're, not as important as the, yeah it, it's look at, it's looked at as some trifling thing and then people all of a sudden recognizes oh there's some money in this for example here's a perfect example do you know how much money there is in um not notebooking. What do you call it? Scrapbooking. Scrapbooking. Do you know how much money there is in scrapbooking? Yeah, millions of. They these have classes. In, people get together. These they have incredibly parties. complex cutting devices, and wow, there is a lot, a lot to it, and it's very technical, and there's a lot of money in it. I mean, evidenced by the national chains that are devoted to the businesses of various and sundry crafts. I'm not going to give them a free ad here. So, but they're there. Meanwhile, back in Claire's diary, (laughs) I'm sure you're all waiting for me to get back to that. Claire continues by saying, I remember watching my mother knit. It looked boring to me as a kid, but I loved the sweaters she made for me. Back then, I wore a school uniform through high school, and the standard issue sweater was poorly made, and even worse, it was acrylic. Claire, I hear you on this. Anyway, the acrylic society is (laughs) going to... I was going to say, maybe we need to edit that. But my handmade sweaters were always a perfect color match, so I wasn't subjected to uniform violations. My mother had taken great pains to produce an exact copy, but it was of decent quality, and I loved them, and I felt loved too. Mm. That's very special, your own special sweater. It is. It sounds like she did it more Nobody than else had too. it. I mean, that's what's really special about it. She made it for you, and nobody else in that school had anything remotely similar. Right. They look alike, but Like not. she blended in, but if you look closely, <laughs> right? So the next section, um, she's got a subtitle here. She says, she could see the quality from a distance. There was a very old nun at the school's convent who spotted the hand-knitted quality from a distance. 
Claire's talking about her sweater. The knitting police have arrived. The sweater police, right? Sweater police. Forgetting she had stopped me the day before, she made the same admiring comments every time she saw me, asking if my mother made it for me and telling me to treasure it. This nun had an Irish brogue. She was from a family of lace makers in Ireland. She's a knitter, a lace maker, and unsurprisingly, a math teacher. Oh, this is where it all comes together. Okay, I get it now. In retirement, she earned money for the convent with her crafts. She'd laugh if somebody marveled at her lace making in process, mocking herself as a lowly bobbin thrower. (laughs) I think we now know she never retired. It was always about the math for her. The connection between the crafts and the math is no news to knitters or bobbin throwers. It's long overdue recognition. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. You know something? Claire's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's met some cool people along the way. I would say that nun was a cool aunt, you know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. She was a cool aunt and she taught forever and she knitted and, you know, made her lace. You know, one of the things I like about this. And her mother was a great knitter. I'm not sure if I could do it, but Claire has shared the diary and in a way that, you know, it's very personal. I'm not sure if I could share stories that are this deeply personal. And Claire has a really nice way of doing it. She relates. She makes it very, she makes her stories very relatable. And I think it's, uh, you know, just listening to what you were just saying about connecting the, her mother making this sweater for her and this nun who was a, you know, who also was into knitting and the fact that she was a math person or math, you know, math teacher. Combining all of those is pretty, you know, understanding what all of that means mm-hmm. for a, someone who knits mm-hmm. uh, is pretty, you know, it wasn't just she's just the nun was just a knitter and she was also a math teacher. She puts it together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, they were. The next section is entitled The Knitting Circle. I found knitting lessons from, and she puts this in quotes, an invitation to join our circle is a postcard tacked to an old-fashioned cork bulletin board in the back of a yarn shop. They promise patience and advice for beginners in a friendly knitting circle that meets on Wednesday evenings. This one little index card offered everything I was hoping to find in learning to knit, especially the part about patient teachers in the community, too. Okay. Claire's much more open person than I am. Okay. You would take a chance? Her willingness to do this, no, I would have been like, oh, I don't want to go. It'll be weird. (laughs) Everybody will be like amazing knitters, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'd find a hundred reasons to not do it, but she did. The funny thing is, Claire says, is I've learned that the community of these women is as important as the craft. I can easily imagine them getting together without knitting, but I just can't see them knitting without their community. Hmm. So she's got math, knitting, and community. To be clear, of course I know they and other women do knit in solitude, but I see something that ignites on their knitting circle nights, or as some women call it, their night off. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't take an anthropologist to find significant evidence of women gathering around a craft and community. The old-time movie scene setting is virtually ubiquitous and common in any depiction of American pioneers comes to mind. <laughs> the handcrafts, 
knitting, quilting, sewing. The list goes on and on and on to related crafts. I listened to one woman at the last knitting circle who decided to learn about spitting her own yarn to knit, and she ended up finding a group of 10 others on the same mission. Who knew that spinning the yarn could be so popular? One thing leads to another. Pretty Next. soon it'll be a farm. <laughs> you, you grabbed the line from me. I was going to say, here, here comes, comes the, the sheep. farm. Here comes the sheep. <laughs> or alpaca or... So, yeah, one thing does lead to another. Math to knitting to community. I love this. Making it special, says Claire. My first project was a scarf with fringe in the color of my high school uniform for my mother. Oh, oh Claire. Oh, I wonder if she cried. Oh, wait, wait. She did cry. She cried when I gave it. I I did not. I promise you, I did not see that line. She cried when I gave it to her and has cast all others aside since. Now, that's the move of a mother, right? Wearing the crazy jewelry your kid makes out of clay, the necklace. (laughs) There's no necklace as beautiful as that. Yep. I've graduated to simple sweaters now and will tackle new stitches on the next one. The biggest surprise and benefit in this experience has been the circle. I'm happy to find knitting fulfills my initial intent, and I'm thrilled to learn even more by joining the circle. Knitting is so well-suited to my constant travel, passing time easily, waiting for late flights and layovers to pass is so much less stressful now. And the sense of accomplishment is significant, no matter how small or complex the project. It's a craft where improvement is fairly easy to achieve and variety nearly endless. That's pretty cool. This could be an ad for knitting. Could be an ad. Right? For it, yeah, for any of those crafts. I think the other thing is that when she talks about coming together, you know, finding that group that she could connect to, it also alleviates a lot of isolation I think people feel now. You know, we're mm-hmm. all behind our screens mm-hmm. and we're not really connected to people mm-hmm. as much. Exactly. And this gives her, as, as what do the women say, their night off. I mean, this is a, a time to be with other people. And it's not just about the knitting. It, what it, it's what that community gives you in terms of feeding your soul, I you guess. Know, when you want to get together with other people, you need a cause or a reason. And to do it, around knitting or around a craft gives it more purpose, right? And you're really there for the company and you're there, you might, maybe you have a question or somebody can help you out with something or teach you a special thing, whatever. But I had uh, a friend who was was into quilting. I think what's interesting about a quilting bee, they're all there for the purpose of completing this one thing. You know, which is very different. Yeah, it's, than, that's different than the knitting. They're each working on their own project. They're helping each other. But right. in a quilting bee, they're working on one one big project, which is yeah. which is a whole different sense of community. Because I rely on you doing your part in yeah, order for yeah. me to get my part completed. Yeah. And I and I remember my grandmother was into crocheting. She knitted, but she was really a crochet. I wish I had some of her stuff. But and that's another art that's kind of lost. And you can do that. In a group, or you can do that I individually. I, I, I'm going to. I'll disagree a little bit because I. I just happened to have seen something recently about the increase in number of, especially. They say that the target, the target demographic are young women in college who crochet, learning to knit and oh, crochet, to crochet, both. Yeah, 
Yeah. There must be something connected so it, to those two. So for the craft markets, if you will, they typically were directed more at older women or middle-aged and older women. But now they recognize, you know, better to target somebody who has, you know, 50 years of knitting ahead of her instead. Right. You know? Right. So shall I go on? Did, sure. Did you finish absolutely. your thought? Yeah, okay. uh, absolutely. All right. How the French do it, connecting with craft. Is the next section, and Claire writes, I do wish it was easier to find social or craft groups here in the States. The French, they make it so easy to find and join groups of every stripe and activity. Crafts, hiking, theater, woodworking. And I spoke with one guy in Rims, meaning in France. Um, he wanted to teach people to make woodwind instruments and was hoping to find an apprentice through his teaching. Throughout France, cities and towns sponsor a weekend of introduction and promotion for any group or organization as people return from their summer vacations and look for new activities. This is the famous rentrée. Before, yeah, this is rentrée. Coming back in. Wait a minute. Is this, am I right? Do they call, is it also the weekend of what they call patrimony? Yes. Where they, right. Right. They open up the museums and all kinds of stuff, meaning. The celebration of their heritage. Right. Crafts, heritage, history, all of it, right? So uh, they sponsor a weekend of introduction and promotion for any group of organizations as people return from summer vacations and look for new activities, the so-called rentrée. The events couldn't possibly make the groups more approachable. Simple folding tables set up in the town centers or near city hall where citizens might connect with or discover new interests. I guess meetups, in quotes, can serve this purpose. But for me, and apparently so many others too, Face-to-face -face contact is more appealing, and I'm left wondering how we might merge the two for the best of all worlds. Huh. That is a... There's something very unique about the way they handle that, that you can, you know, they come back from vacation, and it's the restart of, or it's the start, excuse me, of the fall season. Well, this is where I make my argument that September should be the start of the new year. <laughs> Right, because it's the beginning of school. It's it's everything. It's the beginning of autumn. It's, it's the beginning of autumn, yeah. and I think the what's really unique about the way the French do it is, you know, they they have a Sunday where every possible craft and hobby is, you know, these groups get together, and you can join a group, and anybody can join a group. There's no admission or anything. It's just your willingness or your interest to join a group. And it gives you an opportunity to meet new people, learn something new. You can be a beginner or an advanced person uh, in whatever the craft is that you're trying to learn. And it's it's just a, it's like a reset. It's a reset socially yeah, as yeah. well as to learn something. And that's, that's a really interesting idea. You know, it's really, I think we should do something. We should have something like that. I think that the tradition of doing this is what we need. Because, yes, we have all kinds of meetups and we have all kinds of ways of connecting online, you know, pursuing an interest. And But it feels like a million people going in a million different directions. Whereas when you have a day or even a weekend that's designated to, hey, go out and look for something new. You know, it's that time of year. Summer's ending. Here's where you can get into something else. I love the groups. The, here's one that fascinated me. All they did, the group's purpose, was to get together on Sunday mornings and they'd go for a hike. Right. That was it. I mean, there were so many different different things. Oh, there I was one. That. There's one they do where they go to the water. The people live up in Normandy, and they it's a Sunday morning thing, 
and they hike. I, I don't know if you even call it hiking, but they, they run through the water. They have a special name, which I don't remember, but they, they, the whole purpose of this group. You mean group, on, the, on the beach? In the... To run through the beach. Yeah, run along the beach, but you're in the water. There's yeah. something about being in the water and it's exercise. It's like aerobic exercise in the mm-hmm. water. It's the only way I could describe it. Well, this is it. where they famously bring the horses for training on the beaches. And they do this in Ireland, too, because horses running in the surf is wildly therapeutic it's good for them and you know yeah and hikers and they have all kinds of clubs it's not just knitting clubs it's all kinds of clubs but my point being that yeah there are there are opportunities to connect in all kinds of different ways and groups and everything but when there's a designated time of year that this is this is the time of year when you go out and look for something new or to connect with another group or I, I'd love to see that tradition develop it's just it's about the tradition it's the tradition yeah And it's not necessarily a French thing per se, but they're good about keeping that connected tradition going. Well, I I think here you think about it as football season, right? That's a tradition. It's fall. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not not a huge, huge football fan, obviously. But, you know, look, I'll acknowledge that a lot of people do the social thing around football and the, the tailgating and, you know, it's a... They follow a team and they'll even travel with them at times, you know, especially even the college teams and they follow their alma maters and what have you. But, you know, the the things that you can do at home alone and then go and connect with a group. And those are the kinds of things I'm talking about, about learning something. A spectator sport as as opposed to learning something. Yeah, this is engaging with something where you're going to learn, you know, and... um, Anyway, there's more to, like, for example, the hiking groups where, you know, they, um, they'll they follow directions, like, you know, they'll give them imperfect directions to find their way to an ultimate destination or mm-hmm. there's all kinds of games they play with it. But it's, it's, it's fascinating, I think. But the things that where you really learn how to do something, you know. There's a product um, at the end of it. Yeah, there's a thing yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Claire, the math. The knitting, the community, the respect for crafting and learning something. The memory of it all. Yeah, (laughs) elevating the craft. Yeah, and then there's the connection, the deeply personal connection. I can't imagine what Claire's mother felt when Claire turned things around and made her a scarf. Especially the first thing is a scarf. And you know it was crazy looking. Maybe it wasn't. It's Maybe Claire's pretty love good. Love that it. went into it, though. Oh yeah. Well, folks. No, another one. That's about it, right? So, what are your thoughts about knitting? About crafts? About any of this? About all of it? About the tradition of getting together? About community? This is what we're trying to do in our Facebook group. So, come on back in. Share your thoughts over there, and more stories about your cool aunts, right? Yeah, all our of them. cool aunts. Our cool aunts. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And we'll see you next week when we're back at the the mic. mic.